kids are making their way out. Matthew 5, we're continuing our sermon on the Beatitudes, the greatest sermon ever preached, preached by the Lord Jesus Christ, not by me. Um, The greatest sermon ever preached was preached by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and we've been studying that. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Trust you had a good Thanksgiving? All right, good. I, was not, I wasn't sure what to expect in church considering the weekend and the holiday. And I knew so many families were traveling. So be praying for the church family that's traveling. Pray for safety for them. Uh, I'm sure many will be making their way back late tonight. So, uh, you know, the busy time of year. But I'm thankful you guys are here and that we were the ones who stuck around in town. Right? Had a good time. Uh, I'm going to ask for one quick prayer. Pray for my foot. Some of you are laughing, but pray for my foot. Yes, it can only happen to me. Um, pray there's no, no infection or anything like that. Pray for quick healing. But remember the story about my son putting stuff down in the toilet? Some of you remember that? And having to take the toilet apart and clean out the trap? Well, it happened again last evening, late last evening. So he found a way to put more stuff in. My wife said he did it again. And so I was like, well, all right, let me get this thing cleaned out. So went into the bathroom, started, pulled the toilet out, and started working back there. And I don't know, I, what was that thing? It was huge, this big, huge piece, you know, uh, of something. Like a, it was like a bottle, like a jar of something. And I'm like, I think there's still more stuff in there. Long story short, toilets are very awkward and weird, and that toilet fell and broke on my foot. On the top of my foot. Not only did it break on top of my foot, but it lacerated my foot and gave me about an inch or more, inch and a half gash down to the bone. Um, and so, yeah, it's gross. And so I, my daughter, you know, your body's in shock. And I was just kind of looking. I was like, I can't believe this thing just broke in all these pieces. My daughter says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Dad. Because she was helping me. She said, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's, I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. She's like, no, your foot. When I looked down, then I saw, you know, because you're just kind of. And then I was like, ooh, this isn't good. So we pinched it together and held it together. And you know, I remember we're just, we're just moving and just moved and we don't, I mean, we had no alcohol, nothing. So I was like, hon, you got to run to the store. She's like, you know, you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not going to the hospital. You're going you're gonna to learn a lot about me. I'm very stubborn. I know that's hard to believe. Um, and it's like, I'm not going to the hospital. Um, and so last night for a couple hours, we worked on that foot. And I'm going to remember I told you last week about super glue and the bond of peace. Super glue is amazing. So we just we dumped that thing full of alcohol, cleaned it out and pinched it together. Did some some super gluing and a little bit of tape. And Lord willing, it should hold. I'm praying it holds through the service today. Amen. Would you just pray that that thing does heal, that there's no infection or anything that gets down in there? Is that all right to ask for prayer? I don't usually do that. But please pray about that because uh, I really don't. And, you know, I don't want infection. I don't want anything bad. Then I will have to go to the doctor. All right. You know, then I will finally, finally go. Um, So if you see me kind of walking weird, that's why. Okay. Um, But uh, if you would pray for me. is that crazy, or do other people do things like how I do things? Is there other people? Mostly men? Yeah. 
All right, good. I feel like I'm in good company, all right? All right, so let's jump right into the Word. So if you see me kind of moving weird, uh, you understand why, uh, what's going on. But Matthew chapter 5, 10 through 12, he says this, Blessed are you when people, uh, or when you're persecuted. He says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, verse number 11, uh, he says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. Listen to what he says. This is crazy. He says, Rejoice. He says, When all these bad things happen, when you're persecuted, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Great is your re- reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you bless your word this morning. Help us and help me not to be distracted. Help me to be able to be focused, um, Lord, on your word. Lord, I truly want to just teach and preach your word this morning, and so I do pray you'd help me, uh, Lord, to be able to do that. Uh, Help us, Lord, to put away the things of this life that distract us just for a few moments this morning as we study this amazing sermon that you preached. And we're so thankful, Lord, um, for this, this word that you've given us and the, the, the warning that you gave us as followers of Christ that there will be difficult times, there will be challenging times, and we're just thankful that you were willing to speak truth and to prepare us. So I pray you'd bless your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about persecution for a little bit. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted, persecuted. And there's a number of reasons why. He talks about for righteousness' sake and for those, uh, he says, for my sake, for those who follow Christ. We'll talk about that in a, little, in a moment. But let me just, this is kind of the key to rewards. He's talking about rewards in heaven. Because he says, he says, great is your reward. He says, there will be a great reward for you in heaven. We'll kind of finish with that. But let me just pause for a moment and, and say this, that One thing I really want you to understand is that Jesus was being very honest with his followers, being very truthful. And he did not hold back the truth. He said, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're going to live the the, the message that I'm asking you to, to live. Remember last week, we said that the people who are followers of Jesus, they originally called them the people of the what? The way. The people of the way, the way Jesus lived, the way Jesus lived his life, how he spoke, how he talked, how he treated people. And so Jesus, very early, think about this, early in this message, early in his teaching, early in his ministry, he said this, if you follow me and you live your life the way I ask you to live your life, you will be persecuted. There will be challenge. This was not a prosperity gospel. How many of you know what the word prosperity gospel, or if you've ever heard of that? You know, there is a, there is a gospel that is being preached in this modern day, a, a very much of a, what's called a prosperity gospel, meaning this, that if you come to Jesus, you say yes, yes to Jesus, man, everything's going to be great. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to drive brand new cars. You're going to live in a mansion. All your problems are going to go away. And if you say yes to Jesus, you come to Jesus, man, you are, you're just going to have your best life now. But what did Jesus say? He said, take up your cross and follow me. You said, Pastor Joe, you picking on Joel Olstein? Always, as much as possible. 
He talks about how you have this champion in your best life now. And, and can I just tell you something? All these books that Joel Osteen writes and all of his sermons and all of these things, I'm not trying to hate, but it is a prosperity gospel. It is if you come to Jesus, everything's going to be great. You're never going to have problems ever again. Life's going to be good. You're going to be rich and everything's going to be great. You know, and all of these things. But can I tell you something? Take that to the third world. Take that on a mission trip. Take that to the third world. And the only good thing those books are good for is they'll use it like they used to. They'll use it as toilet paper. Because it's the facts. But Jesus does not preach a prosperity gospel. Are you with me this morning? He said, you follow me. There will be persecution. He says, you follow me. You're going to be lied about. You follow me. And you're going to, you're going to be insulted. And you're going to be, they're going to be antagonistic. And, you're going to, and Jesus even said in other places, you're going to be hated. And so Jesus, in his teaching, is very honest and real, and he warns us. He says, listen to me, I warn you, as followers of of myself, Jesus speaking, he says, as a follower of Christ, I warn you that it is very possible that you will be persecuted. Not only will it be possible, it will be probable that you probably will be persecuted. And I I take this and I appreciate it because it helps prepare us to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. He is preparing his followers for what's to come. You know, I think this, that's important. If, we, if we're told that it's going to be easy and that the road will always be, be, be something that it will, is not difficult, then listen to me, then Jesus says in John 16, we don't have time to turn there, he says, I'm warning you and I'm telling these things so you don't abandon your faith. You know, I think that the reason why many Christians are, if you will, walking away from the church and walking away from really the path or the way is because they've been told something that's not true. That when you come to Jesus, everything's going to be great. Now, can I tell you something? When you come to Jesus, everything someday will be great. Future will be. Great is your reward where? Say it with me. In heaven. And so we have to understand that that this path, this road of following Jesus, that there will be difficult times. And so he warns them and he prepares them. And I like that. I love that. I appreciate that. I'm a coach. And and I I don't try to candy coat things. If I know someone has a tough match or tough, we're in a competition, it's going to be tough. I just mentally prepare them. I say, listen, this guy you're about to go out and wrestle, you're, listen to me, he's tough. It's going to be a war. It's going to be a battle. And I, you need to go out there mentally prepared for that. You want to know something? Jesus said this, that you followers of Jesus Christ, you are in a spiritual battle. You are in a spiritual war. And you are called to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. And to be a soldier and a follower of Jesus Christ means that you must be prepared for battle. It's not going to be easy. Did somebody bear witness to that this morning? It's not going to be easy. He never said it would be easy, but I will tell you this. He said, you'll never be alone, and I'll be with you. And so he said, blessed are those who are persecuted, and he gives a number of reasons why. For for righteousness' sake, which is basically for doing the right thing and living the right way. But then he also says, for my sake. Now, let me make this very clear, though. Sometimes people are not persecuted for righteousness' sake or for Christ's sake. 
I've known people who've made poor choices, poor decisions, Christians, followers of Christ. They've, they've made poor choices and decisions, and then they try to say, well, boy, the devil's just after me, or, or I'm just being persecuted. No, it was probably because of some poor choices and decisions that you made. Are you? It's like you probably shouldn't have been trying to maneuver the toilet, and bad things happen. You know? <laughs> you know, th- b- bad things happen. That's, so many times we want to blame things on the devil. That has nothing to do with the devil. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Sometimes Christians can be antagonistic and they can bring problems upon themselves. I remember when we were going to Bible college, my wife will remember this, this gentleman, this man that we went to college with. And it, I won't mention his name. I won't say his name. But he would always come to prayer group. We'd have these prayer groups. And now I ended up working with this guy. And I'll just be honest, as a believer and as a follower of Christ and, and knowing this person and even going to school with him and college with him, I could barely tolerate him. I'll just be honest, he was, he was very annoying. He was, I mean, his personality just rubbed everybody wrong. And he would come and he would sit in prayer with me and say, guys, would you just pray for me? Would you pray for me? I'm just being persecuted at work. I'm being persecuted for being a Christian. And I'm sitting there going... You're not being persecuted for being a Christian. You're being persecuted because you're a jerk. <laughs> it's not because you're a Christian. It has nothing to do with it. I mean, he, would, he was just obnoxious and annoying. And he was, that, he was with that typical Christian who was better than everyone else. And he would walk in. Like, he would go into where the dishwashers were. And they would have music playing. And they're back there by themselves. And he's like, this music, this music is ungodly. And he'd go up and turn it off and walk by. And they'd look at him like, and who are you? Listen to me. That is not being persecuted for Christ's sake. That's, you're just a jerk. And you get whatever you deserve. Somebody say Amen. He was a jerk. He was annoying. If we, listen to me, there were times I had to pray because I was really wanting to, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, Lord, please forgive me because I'm thinking really evil thoughts, you know? That one whole part about murder, you know, and you know, <laughs> thou shalt not kill, that's way, you know, Lord, help me. And I thought to myself, here he thought that he was being persecuted because he was a believer, a Christian following Christ. No, that's a, it's a lot different. That's not what Jesus is speaking of. Are you with me this morning? He says, but there are those who will be persecuted for righteousness sake, for living right and doing the right things, and for Christ's sake. Look at Proverbs uh, 29, 27. Notice what this proverb says. Solomon says this. Notice this. The righteous detest the dishonest. But notice this next phrase. But the wicked, they detest the upright. The wicked detest the upright. When you live right, when you do right, it bothers people. It, it's, it, it just makes them uncomfortable. And so Jesus said, if you live the way that I've asked you to live, and you walk the way I've asked you to walk, and you treat people the way I've taught you to treat people, and you do things the way I've asked you to do things, he said, listen, it, it's going to cause this world to be uncomfortable. They're going to detest you. They're not going to like it. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. We're called to be light. Later in this message, and we'll be talking about it very soon, he says you're to be light. But can I say to you, have you ever been in a really, really dark space or very dark room? And it doesn't take much, but all of a sudden someone shines a light. What happens? It, it's like, wow. Right? 
And it's just blinding and it hurts. Can I tell you something? If we are truly being the light of the world, this world is filled with darkness. And when you're the light, guess what? It's going to offend. It's going to bother people. Does this make sense? And he said, when you live this way, yeah, it's going to, people are not going to like it. You know, I can say this, it's, this is the way human nature is. Years ago, um, this time of year, always this time of year, Christmas trees. My wife's like, we got to go up and cut down a Christmas tree, you know. And so we're getting ready to plan that. And that was all planned. And hopefully with this, we'll still be able, you know, with the foot thing. She's like, well, there, that's all my wife could think about, by the way. Well, there goes the Christmas tree cutting trip. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming, honey. I'm coming. She's like, no excuses. Let's go. You know, that was, that was one of the things. Sorry, honey. Love you. But am I right? She's going to admit it. She's laughing. That was way over the top. Because you have to understand, my wife watched two Hallmark videos the other night. She's a Hallmark lady. And we went downtown last night before all this. And it was the lights, you know. And I mean, all the fireworks and the lights and the whole downtown. We moved to Hallmark town, Okay. We moved there. That's where we're at. And my wife has a Hallmark Christmas planned. And we were going up in the snow and we were cutting down a tree. And now you just had to hurt your foot, husband, you know. You should have listened to me. She told me, wait, don't do it tonight. Just wait. And I should have listened to my wife. Yes, let me say, I should have listened to my wife. But every year around this time, there is a point to this, I promise. And I'll make sure we get out early and on time. But I used to cut Christmas trees. I grew up in Pennsylvania. And that was a good, kind of a good job for a kid going through high school over Christmas break. Cut Christmas trees. I used to trim them in the summer. And then, in the, and then you know, leading up to Christmas, we would cut Christmas trees. So I'll never forget this. Just brief little story. But... We're cutting these Christmas trees, and uh, you would use a chainsaw cut. Well, then there was guys who would load them into these trucks, and it's pretty hard work. you got to load them up into the truck. And my brother was a foreman, and so he's the one who got me the job, and he was a foreman, and he was kind of running these crews. And long story short, he says, hey, Joe, get over here. This, this, this group over here, they're way behind, and they need, we need to get this group caught up, and we need to get these trees loaded. We need to get them out of here. And so there's this group of guys, you know, um, you know, supposed to be working, and they were not working at all. I mean, they were barely It was one of those pick up a tree, you know, they're talking, they put it in. And so my brother's a foreman, and he, he told me, get this crew moving, get them going. So I go over there. I'm just a teenager. Some of these guys are men, like 30 years old. Some of them are in their 20s. A few maybe, you know, guys just out of high school. And here comes this, like, high school junior comes walking over, and I start working. And I just work the way my dad taught us to work, okay? Which is you work hard. You give it everything you have. So I start grabbing trees, and I start throwing them in. Oh, man. After about five minutes, there's like seven or eight of them. They wanted to beat me up. They told me, they said, we're going to physically. And I said, what? what? What's going on? Like, dude, you're making us look bad. Slow down. Like, we're not making that much money here an hour. Slow down. And I said, well, we, it's honest day's work, honest day's pay. That's what my dad said. They're like, we don't care about what your dad said. You're making us look bad. You're going to get us fired. You get us fired. We're going to give you, we're going to, I mean, they were like, and I was like, I was like yelling to my brother, help. 
Jesus. These guys literally, they threatened me. They, I'm not making this up. They threatened to literally beat me. They were going to inflict physical harm on me because they didn't want to lose their job. But here's the point. Because my brother told me to come and work. I was working, and I made them look bad. Does that make sense? Now, you say, why does, why does this apply to here? Spiritually speaking, when we do what God asks us to do and live the way that God asks us to live, guess what? It makes the world look bad. It convicts them. That's what Solomon says. Then they detest you. They detest you because we're making them uncomfortable. Does this make sense? So don't be shocked when people feel uncomfortable around us as followers of Christ. He says, you'll also be be persecuted for my name's sake. Verse 11, he says, for Christ's sake. For, For him. And for his sake. Look what Hebrews says in Hebrews 11, uh, speaking of Moses. I don't know if you have it up there or not, but Hebrews 11, verses uh, 24 through 27. Notice Moses, same principle, same thing. Look at this example. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose, it's a choice, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Think about this, he He chose, if you will, temporary discomfort to be persecuted with the people of God for long-term reward. Amen? He says someday it will pay off. Someday in the future it will pay off. Look at what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12. In 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, he, he in essence says this, that all who live godly, all those who strive to live a godly life, they will or they shall suffer persecution. It is a promise that if you live a godly life and you strive to to please God, he says you will suffer persecuted. Why? Because the world detests us because we make them look bad. And when we are living for Christ, other people are going to hate us. Jesus said this. He says, I say this, I warn you and I'm, I'm warning you so you're prepared. It's going to be a battle. You're going to, if you live godly, you will suffer persecution. Now, this leads to another question. If we're never, ever, ever suffering any type of persecution, if not, why not? Now, let me just say this. It doesn't mean that we set out to be antagonistic. Are you with me? Amen? But sometimes I think that we fear, out of fear, We compromise what we know to be true. We compromise out of fear because we don't really have the courage to face the persecution that's going to come if we live right and if we do right. Are you with me? It's a struggle. It's a battle. Paul says to Timothy, listen, those who live a godly life, you will suffer persecution. Jesus said they hated, they're going to hate you because they hate and hated me. It's a promise. Be prepared for it. Be ready for it. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a battle. 
You know, I remember years back, I don't know if you guys remember this guy. I really like him. Um, his name's Tim Tebow. How many of you remember Tim Tebow? Remember? I love that guy. And by the way, he is doing amazing things. He really is for the cause of Christ, but human trafficking. He does a ton of things for orphanages and orphans. And I mean, Tim Tebow was like, to me, like, wow, like, look up to this guy. But do you remember when he started putting Bible verses? And Google this, look it up. But when he put the John 3.16, in, in a 24-hour period, it was like millions. Like, I mean, it was like 20-some million views or Google searches on just John 3.16. But remember when he put it on, before long, they, everyone hated him for it. Remember this? Anybody kind of remember? They hated him and hated on him. They hated on him because he said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep myself pure. I'm not going to sleep around. I'm waiting till marriage. Oh, they hated on him for that. They, they literally just, they loved to hate. How can you love to hate such an awesome guy who's trying to do good things? But they did. The world hated him, and they tried to ruin him, and, and, and then they even banned being able to do things like that, you know? Isn't it amazing, though? Like, the same people can promote all kinds of things. It blows my mind. You have college athletes who are literally sexually assaulting women, and somehow two weeks later, they're back out in the football field, and then you have a guy who says, hey, I'm waiting till I'm married. Hate, doom on you. Hate, hate, hate. Are you with me? But man, Tim Tebow, what an example. What a godly guy. What a great guy who's trying to change the world for good. But what happens? The world hated him, and they still do. They'll find any way possible to hate on this guy. Remember what Jesus said, and the scriptures tell us. He says, listen, at the end of the days, everything's going to flip. Bad will be called good, and good will be called bad. We're seeing it before our very eyes. Where people who are good people are being persecuted. The good guys are being torn apart and fed to the lions, if you will. When we have people who are, who are thugs. Thugs, nothing but thugs being exalted and lifted up. What should our reaction be? We see that the reasons for persecution, but what are the reactions? You know what the Bible says here? Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. He says, rejoice and be glad. Be full of cheer. Jump for joy. I don't know about you, but that's kind of tough, right? When they're insulting you. When they're lying about you. The Bible says in Acts 5, we don't have time to turn here, but in Acts 5, that they literally beat them. They flogged the disciples. They whipped them. And they said, you should not be preaching in the name of Jesus. And it says that they rejoiced. It says that they were happy because they said we could suffer for the name of Christ. He says rejoice. He says rejoice because you're in good company. He said they persecuted the prophets that were before you. You know, when we are persecuted, we're in good company. Amen? Because think about the others that have gone before us, men like John the Baptist. And you look through the Bible, people who are persecuted. Most importantly, if we are persecuted for Christ's sake, think about this. We're in company with Jesus Christ himself because they hated him and they killed him. Are you with me this morning? He says, they will say all kinds of false things about you. They will lie about you. They will try to wreck you. They will try to ruin you. And they will even use lies and deceit. 
He says, but rejoice and be glad. Can I tell you something? It's not easy. I was, when I was coaching in Tucson, Arizona, Oro Valley, Tucson area, I was definitely persecuted for Christ's sake. Most and almost all the parents bought in and loved what we were doing, discipline and character, being you know, men of honor and integrity and all of these things. And, and I will say, God protected me, but there were a couple people who tried to, to get me fired. Because I would gather the group together and I would say, would someone be willing to pray? And I remember one time when we were gathered together, it was early on, when I just early started coaching, and we gathered up in a circle and I asked one of the guys, I said, would you be willing to pray? You know, that type of thing. And one of the guys prayed. Things were fine. Later, you know, our church sponsored the wrestling team like any other think you could sponsor a team mama's pizza pizza shops and people sponsor and i said well our church will sponsor and help the wrestling team so church sponsored a team i had a bible study at my house had a bible study at my house so guess what once sometimes a couple guys a number of the wrestlers started coming do you know i got called into the district office because a parent or two not be, because they wanted, they didn't like me and they wanted to get me fired. And the only thing that they could find on me was because I was a Christian, a pastor, and because they tried to say I was forcing religion, which I was not. I had to sit in the district office with an attorney. And the attorney said to me, can you please tell me about this occasion where they prayed? And I said, we pray before every, every, every tournament. We pray. Before every duel, we, we have a group of pray. She said, well, do you lead the prayer? I said, nope. I said, one of the, it's student-led. you got to know how to do these things. And it is. If you want to participate, participate. If you don't want to, you don't have to. They all wanted to. They all wanted to. He said, we're going to have a time of prayer. If you don't want to, you don't have to. It was, that's what we did. And so one of the guys, they'd take turns, one of the guys would pray. And she said, well, she said, but do you pray? I said, no, one of the guys prays. She goes, well, you need to stop doing that. I said, is it what I'm doing against the law? Well, no, but you need to stop doing that. She said, we, I heard that you're, she goes, I have pictures here. She pulled up pictures. I have pictures here that your church sponsors, that your church sponsors the rest of the team. Like, you know, one of the sponsors I said, yeah. I said, just like there's, you know, like Massage Envy, there's Mama's Pizza, all these other things. We, yeah, we donate money to help the wrestling team. And she, I said, is that against the law? Is that, am I breaking some rules? Nope, nope, it's not against rules. And I kept saying to her, so then why am I in here? Then she brought up, you have a Bible study at your house. How do you know all these things? You have a Bible at your study at your house. I'm like, yeah, a group of guys come over. We open the Bible, and whoever wants to come can come. Is it true that you have some wrestlers that come to your Bible study? Yeah. Do you have some wrestlers that come to your church? Yeah. I asked again, is this against the law? Am I doing something that's against the law? Am I doing something I'm not? And I had to sit in there for an hour. And I kept saying, am I doing something that's against the law? No, but you, you better stop doing it. You shouldn't be having the, the Bible study at your house where kids can come. They didn't even like that kids were coming to my church. 
And then they told me I needed to stop praying. By the way, can I just tell you something? When the, when the wrestling team and most of the parents found out, they backed me. They backed me, supported me, sent letters and all of these things. But they still told me, you should, you should stop doing it. But I'm going to just tell you, we never stopped doing it. Amen? But I will tell you, they were after me. Two different times, two different people. trying, And it, one of them, can I tell you this? One of them... The most antagonistic, the one who came after me the most, was a Christian man. Him and his son were, used to come to the Bible study. And they tried to lie and say all kinds of things, all because they were upset and they wanted to try to find a way to get at us. By the way, God will protect his, his people. Amen? But it's here. To be lied, to be falsely accused, to have horrible things said about you, all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says, rejoice. And I got to finish. We're out of time. But this is the, the reason. He says, rejoice. He says, because great or there is a great reward for you in heaven. The results of persecution is this. If we're persecuted for Christ's sake, is there's a great reward for us. That's waiting for us on the other side. Amen. He says, great is your reward in heaven. Short-term pain for eternal gain. Short-term, short-term pain for eternal gain. He says, rejoice. He says, brothers and sisters in Christ, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be lied about. You're going to be falsely accused. And some of you may even have to die. For the name of Jesus Christ, he says, but great is your reward in heaven. Amen? I look forward to that day. And listen, every time you take one for the team of Jesus Christ, there is a reward laid up for you. And someday when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and he welcomes us, he says there will be a great reward. There's only like two times in all the Bible, once in the Old Testament in Psalm 119, only one time in the New Testament where he says there's a great reward. And I don't know about you, but we have a great big God. Amen? A God who created everything that we see. And a God who is an awesome God. And when he says something's going to be good and something's going to be big and it's going to be great, let me tell you, it's going to be awesome. And he says, when you, if you are willing to be persecuted for my sake and you're willing for my sake and for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he says, I promise you, he says, there is a great, huge reward waiting for you. It will be worth it. Amen. Stephen, as he was being stoned, Stephen, as he was being executed, as they took the rocks and they began to hurl them at him, the Bible says he was being persecuted for Christ's sake. And what does he do? The Bible says he lifts up his eyes and he looks into heaven. This is powerful for me. I'm telling you, I love this. He does. He asked God to forgive them. He says that, he, Stephen says almost what Jesus said, forgive them. But I love these words. Don't miss this. <laughs> and this is not a contradiction in the Bible. It says that he lifted up his eyes and he looked into heaven. And it says this, that his, his face shone 
as the glory of God. The people around him witnessed and saw that as he was being persecuted, the Lord Jesus Christ gave him strength. Amen? And gave him courage. And it says this. He said, behold, I look up in heaven. He says, I I see the Son of Man. I see Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of the Father. You know, there have been people who have said, people who have tried to criticize the Bible, that have said that the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand. And by the way, Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. But when Stephen, when Stephen was coming into the presence of the Lord, the first face he saw was that of his Redeemer, of his Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus was not seated. It's not a contradiction. No, I tell you, it is awesome. Because Jesus got up out of his seat to welcome Stephen into the presence of heaven. Amen? In the presence of God. I don't know about you, but that would be all the reward. That is great enough for me to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know what that reward looks like and what that reward will be, but I'll tell you what, that if, if we enter into the presence of And have Jesus Christ himself stand up and welcome us into the presence of God. That's worth it for me. Amen. Amen. He says, great is your reward in heaven. Our problem is this. Too often we forget that the majority of what Jesus has promised us is on the other side. Amen. Amen. We always just think about the here and the now and what do I get out of it now? And that's why I hate this prosperity gospel because it's not about then, it's about now. And it's all about what is God going to give me now? But can I tell you, the majority of what God has promised us, it's not here. It's not right now, amen? But it's future and it is coming. And by the way, the things that we get here and now, they are just temporary. But what we get up there is for all Eternity And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to have a word of prayer. And then we'll be closed. But let me just say this. Pray for those who are persecuted around the world. Right now, Christians are being persecuted, being martyred around the world. Pray for them. And may I just say this? Pray that God would give us courage. Amen. That we, if faced with persecution, that we would have the courage. Amen. To stand. To stand. Strong for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I pray.